Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. It is Sunday afternoon here on Labor Day weekend, and we are here to talk about Purdue's 39-35 to loss to Fresno State to open up the 2023 season and to open up the Ryan Walters era on a bit of a sour note as he joins his two predecessors, Daryl Hazel and Jeff Brom, in having lost their first game at Purdue. We are going to break down everything here today from a hot afternoon inside ross Stadium, talk about all three phases of the game and just a little bit big picture of where this Purdue team is and where it's going to go moving forward here after a disappointing loss to get things started. Real quick, if you don't, be sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Lots to talk about over there. Uh, lots of tweets from the game. Going to be lots to talk about all week. So be sure to follow on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are in two episodes a week mode now. So later this week, obviously, we'll preview Virginia Tech. And as always, I'm here to answer your questions. Tweet them to me at Boilers Beyond. Email them to me, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. We'll get to them on the show. So let's get into it here. Uh, Purdue falls 39-35 in the season opener. Uh, The story here, if you ask me, is about the defense. Um, Purdue hires Ryan Walters not solely because of his defense. You know, that's not necessarily the reason he was hired, but his defense is what made him a rising star in the coaching community. His defense is what raised his profile to the level of being ready to be a head coach. And there was a lot of hype around the airstrike. Some of that was certainly pushed by Purdue. Some of that was not. And it didn't strike on Saturday. In fact, it got struck upon. Uh, Fresno State puts up 39 points. Fresno State puts up 487 yards of total offense. uh, 371 through the air. Look, I I think this is a very, very prime example of, uh, you know, the classic Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's theory that we talked about on this show a lot. Um, You know, right now, it doesn't look like Purdue's secondary has the Jimmy's and Joe's to play at a high level, to do what Ryan Walters asks of them. Um, This is a defense that asks a lot of its secondary you know you it's a lot of five defensive backs where you have essentially three safeties or you know in Purdue's case Cam Allen kind of playing that nickel spot Uh, but you've got a safety real deep but you're asking your corners to play a lot of one-on-one and if you look at how it went it didn't necessarily go great for Purdue Um, a lot of one-on-one matchups ended in Fresno guys being open. Uh, Markevious Brown did not have a great day. Botros Alessandro, uh, the kind of the number three corner, the only mention of him was on that first drive when he got beat for a touchdown pretty badly uh, up in the northwest corner of the stadium. Um, Purdue's secondary missed too many tackles. You know, you saw a few instances where Fresno State was able to take a catch and add a number of yards after it onto the end of the run because Purdue's secondary didn't tackle particularly well. 
Um, you look at, you know, you look at Cam Allen had some missed tackles. Uh, Dylan Thieneman, you know, in his first Big Ten, his first ever game, I think that's a little bit more excusable. Um, I think you can certainly understand why there's a bit of an adjustment period there. You know, it it happens, but Purdue missed a lot of tackles. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think there are just very real questions here about Purdue's secondary and the ability to do schematically what Ryan Walters wants it to do. Uh, Mikey Keene was really good. You have to give him some credit here. Um, he was absolutely excellent. You know, he had the one interception on a pass that I've gone back and watched it a few times. I don't know that it was that bad of a pass, that bad of a decision. I think it was a really good play by Dylan Thieneman. Uh, outside of that, 70% completion, 366, four touchdowns. He was really, really good. Um, you know, Purdue struggled. Obviously, in coverage, you know, Brooks has 170 yards on nine catches. Jalen Gill, a former big-time recruit, was really good for them. Um, you know, Purdue wasn't able to contain in the secondary, and I think it's it's interesting because Purdue's pass rush was good. I thought Purdue's pass rush was just fine. Uh, Purdue got, got into the backfield quite a bit. Uh, you look at... You know, Purdue had 15 quarterback hurries in the game. That's a lot. That's a lot of quarterback hurries to have. I thought Kydron Jenkins and Nick Scorton were both really effective coming off the edge. You know, Jenkins got home once. Scorton didn't get home at all. No sacks for him. But I thought they were both really good uh, at, at what they were asked to do, and that is go get the passer. Um, now, Mikey Keene was able to extend things with his feet. He was able to find guys downfield because when he extended, you know, Purdue's secondary wasn't able to cover for all that long. It's a multi, you know, it's a multi-pronged issue here. Um, and it's not one that I think you can fix overnight. I think more reps, more snaps will certainly help. Um, but, you know, it's not one that's going to be easily fixed. Purdue's run defense was fine. You know, held Fresno State to 3.1 yards per carry. It got Fresno State in a ton of third and long situations. It really did. And that's that's what you want to, to happen. You know, you want to get Fresno State in these situations where it's in third and long. You can send those pass rushers to go get home. But, you know, the common common thing was... Purdue unable to get home. Fresno State extends the play, finds a receiver downfield, so on and so forth. Um, you know, certainly a certainly a disappointing one um, on that end. It's going to be interesting to watch this defense moving forward because thirty you can't give up thirty nine points. You know, that's at the end of the day, that's just how it is. Um Fresno State was able to hold on to the ball way too long. Um where's time of possession here? Fresno State dominated time of possession. Uh thirty six minutes time of possession compared to Purdue's twenty three. So that tells you a lot you need to know. You know, Purdue's defense couldn't get off the field. Fresno State goes eleven of seventeen 
on third downs, 82 plays for Fresno State to Purdue 60. That's kind of the story of this. You know, on the offensive side of the ball, I thought Purdue was just okay. Keep in mind something here. 35 points is a bit deceptive when it comes to evaluating Purdue's offense. Tyrone Tracy, 98-yard kick return touchdown, first one in a decade for Purdue. Um, Excellent, obviously, but that wasn't Purdue's offense. Purdue also got a short field when, in the first half, it got the ball at the Fresno 17-yard line after a big punt return. Purdue needed 10 snaps, 8 plays, 2 penalties, to get into the end zone from the 17-yard line. So, that's not... Obviously, the kick return doesn't take anything away from the offense, but that's something to keep in mind here when evaluating this. I thought Hudson Card was fine. Uh, I thought he was good, not great. He he played well enough for Purdue to win. Uh, 17 for 30, 254, two touchdowns. Completion percentage isn't great, but you know if you take away that last drive when... Purdue's got a minute to go, and he had three or four incompletions just because you're desperate to make things happen. He was pretty good. Uh, He made some nice throws throughout the day. He was good enough. Um, Deion Burks, obviously the star of the game on offense for Purdue. He'd gotten a lot of hype coming into the season, and you saw why on Purdue's first possession. Uh, He takes it 84 yards to the house. That's big. Uh, That's really big. Another time later in the game, he has that 44-yard catch down the sideline, had another touchdown in there. Really good game for him, but I think when you look at this Purdue receiving core, again, some of the questions I had coming into this season is, you know, who's kind of, who breaks out here? Abdur Rahman Yassin made some catches. Good to see him healthy. He's a guy who I think can be a good piece for Purdue this year. TJ Sheffield was quiet. Uh, Purdue didn't rotate much at receiver. You saw Canyon a little bit. Um, You saw Jaden Dixon-Veal for a play or two, I think. But this was kind of the crew. Burks, Yassine, Sheffield. And then with a split tight end out, uh, Max Clare getting most of the reps there. That was it. Purdue did not rotate much. And I that was something that I think you saw on both sides of the ball a bit. Uh, Purdue didn't rotate as much as I expected especially on offense. Uh, I think only 17 players saw the field, and that includes some injuries on the offensive line and three running backs playing. So not much rotation. Uh, Purdue kind of stuck with this crew. Running the ball was interesting. You know, I had had been on the record here saying that I thought Purdue would would run the ball quite a bit, even in a quote-unquote air raid offense. Uh, that wasn't really the case. Now, if you look at the numbers at the end of the game, 30 passes to 30 runs, Hudson Card had six carries. At least four or five of those were scrambles on pass plays, so that skews it a bit. Um, Purdue didn't run the ball much, though, especially in the first half. I think you know that was a lot of the discourse that you saw from folks is that Purdue's not running the ball at all, something that you know is a little familiar to Purdue fans from recent years, but look, it, it it was a little hard. You know, Devin Mockaby puts his first carry on the ground. Purdue recovered. He was fine after that. Had some good carries in the second half. Uh, Purdue's offensive line, though, man, not much of a push. 
Um, you can diagnose some of the problems here. You're down to your third string center to start. I don't know how big of a gap it is from Kaltenberger to Austin Johnson, but I think it is probably a sizable gap from Gus Hartwig to Austin Johnson. Then Johnson gets hurt. You slide in Jalen Grant, uh, stuff Ben Farrell in there. Then Jalen Grant gets hurt, so you bring Austin Johnson back in the game. It was a you know it it was an unfortunate rash of injuries for Purdue up there, but. At any point in the game, Purdue was struggling to get a push in the run game. Uh, you saw, as I mentioned earlier, you know that possession where Purdue has 10 snaps from the 17-yard line in. It just felt like Purdue was running it into the line on every play, and it was getting nowhere. It tried quarterback sneaks. It tried running out of the shotgun or pistol. Not my favorite thing to do from the one-yard line, but hey, you know, I, there are reasons to do it. Um, I get it. But, you know, at the end of the day, this this run game wasn't very good. I was surprised to see Tyrone Tracy utilize so little in there. Just three carries for him, five for Downing. It's hard. You know, you don't want to make sweeping judgments in week one because things can change quite a bit. But Purdue did not run the ball particularly well. I don't think Purdue really wants Hudson Card to to run much. You know, it didn't appear that there were any designed runs for him. I don't know that you're going to do that a ton anyway, but I, I don't think Purdue's comfortable with the idea of him getting hurt. Uh, he got hit a time or two, and you could see on the sidelines, Purdue wasn't all that comfortable with that. I think another part of the run game that's interesting here. Garrett Miller being out is pretty big. Uh, Paul Paferi's out as well. That was weird. I did not expect to see him out when Purdue issued the injury report two hours before kickoff. But you know, you've got Max Clare and Drew Bibber in there. And neither of those guys is much of a blocking tight end. And in a lot of sets, Purdue is essentially lined up in four wide with three wide receivers and then a tight end split out wide. So you're running, you know, behind a five-man offensive line with no help. And not to say that those guys weren't help when they were lined up in line, but blocking isn't their forte. Um, that That's something to monitor because Purdue, with a five-man front, was not getting much of a push, especially on the interior. We thought that might be the strength of the offensive line this year. But I think the one thing, one thing you can really take away from this is when you look at the transfers that Purdue brought in, look, a lot of these guys didn't shine. A lot of them were fine. Um, they, they were average. Purdue has to, and it's not an overnight thing, but relying on transfers forever and ever is not sustainable. You have to develop in-house you have to have some homegrown guys playing key roles for you because when you look at this, you know, on the interior of the offensive line, you had all transfers in there today or yesterday. Um, Farrell, Johnson, Grant, um, who's the other one? Preston Nichols from UNLV. Those guys are all transfers playing on the interior and, you know, not nothing great. You do give Fresno credit. You know, that's a good defense. 
Uh, that's a defense that finished inside the top 20 nationally last year. That's relative. They play in the Mountain West, so you take that for what it's worth. But it's a solid defense. Fresno State outplayed Purdue, plain and simple. Um, Purdue did have some juice in special teams that was nice to see. The kickoff return was great. Um, that's It was funny if you were listening to our Twitter space the other night uh, that I did, what, Thursday night maybe, Wednesday night. Uh, we talked about that, and I said, no way. You know, I pick it every year to happen. I'm not picking it this year. And then, of course, it happens in the first game. Uh, but Tyrone Tracy, I think he's a good good guy to have back there. He's a good athlete. Um, and he made a nice play on that to start the second half. TJ Sheffield had a nice punt return. He took 129 yards, set up a Purdue touchdown. Uh, that was great. That was really good to see for Purdue. Now, on the flip side... Uh, you miss a field goal from 43. Freehill had a ton of distance on it. Would have been long enough from 53, but he pushes it wide right. Uh, Ansel was fine. Uh, punting game was okay for Purdue. Uh, you had a offsides on the opening kickoff of the season. That cost you over 20 yards, essentially, because Fresno elects to re-kick it. Uh, Purdue... You know, kicking off from the 30-yard line, Fresno takes it to the 45. Without the offsides, Fresno would have started inside its 25. It didn't matter. Purdue went three and out and then scored on its drive on the Burks 84-yard touchdown catch. But that's something you circle as potentially costly. Um, you know, all in all, you just look at this box score and Fresno was the better team. Time of possession, it won. Total yards, it won by 124 yards. Uh, more pass yards, more rush yards. Third down. I mean, that's the that's the story of the game right there. Uh, Purdue was not particularly good on third down, and Fresno State was very good on third down. Um, a lot of folks talking about Ryan Walters in terms of coaching decisions, and we discussed it on the podcast, you know, previewing this game. Ryan Walter's first game, it's his debut. Um, how does he do in his first game as a head coach? Look, there were some moments that you know he'd like to have back. I think the one you circle more than anything is right before halftime. You know, Purdue has the ball with 50. Well, let me get my notes out here. Uh, Purdue gets the ball back with 57 seconds left, and with 30 seconds left, it's lining up to punt. Fresno gets the ball with 22 seconds left uh, at its own 47. It gets into field goal range, knocks in a 52-yarder before half. So, you know, that that right there is a three-point swing at least, um, assuming that, you know, Purdue would be able to uh, – Purdue would be able to get – you know, just run out the clock essentially. Um, you know, a lot of – a lot of hand wringing about play calling. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to question it too much yet. Um, obviously, running between the tackles was not particularly effective for Purdue. We'll see long term. Is it an offensive line needs to get healthy thing? Is it just the offensive line's not good enough? Is it a thing with the running backs? You know, I don't know. I don't think it's Devin Maccabee, but um, you know, you can only. 
you can only get so much out of one game. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of the the downside of week one is it's all you have to go off of. Um, you know, I could sit here and talk for an hour about it, but, you know, there's only so much to say. Uh, it really hurt Purdue, though, when it starts the fourth quarter, it's got the ball, third and goal at the one, a pass to Canyon is incomplete, then Maccabee gets stuffed, red zone trip with no scores. You think about this game, Purdue doesn't score there when it has the ball at the one-yard line. Purdue misses a 43-yard field goal. There's 10 points you left out there. Now, in fairness, Fresno missed a 20-yard field goal itself. So, you know, it's hard to necessarily say that it's just Purdue who left points on the board. But, you know, it, there were missed opportunities there. Um Kind of in the big picture, you know, this based off Twitter reaction, based off message board reaction, obviously Purdue fans aren't very happy about this. Um, I get it. Fresno State's a pretty good team. Uh, that much is known. You know, I talked about this. This is a team that's won 10 games back-to-back seasons. This is a team that won the Mountain West last year. And this is a program that for the past two decades has been solid, has been you know, one of the better group of five programs over multiple decades now. If you want to have a conversation about paying a program that's consistently one of the better ones in the group of five, paying them $1.3 million to come play you, I'm open to that conversation. Um, you know how I feel about scheduling. Um, and now, Purdue is looking down the barrel of 11 straight power five games to end this thing. Scheduling doesn't help. But, you know, when you look at raising the profile of a program, we had a question about this on the show last week. You know, how does Purdue raise the profile of its program? This doesn't help. Um, you know, you look at just recent memory now, Brahm era and now Walters era, you know, you've lost to three group of five teams. Uh, Eastern Michigan, Nevada, and now Fresno State. Fresno State's certainly the best program of those three, but they're not good losses to take. They're not good losses to have, you know, ticking across the scoreboard for folks on Sunday morning and they see that Purdue lost to Fresno State. That's not great. Uh, most people who are, you know, hardcore into college football know that Fresno State's good, know that this was a short spread and that this isn't you know, particularly surprising, but it's not a great look. Um, that much is that much is very known. Um, a lot of folks talking here, and this was an interesting thing. You know, there's so much vitriol out there towards Jeff Brom. Um, a lot of the conversation is about what he left and how you know someone tweeted at me and said, well. You know, look at some of these players that Jeff Brom left at Purdue or that Jeff Brom inherited at Purdue and look at what, you know, Ryan Walters inherited. Look, it's a different era of college football than it was in 2017. With the transfer portal, everything is different. You know, if Spencer Holstead and Eric Miller are on the field for Purdue and you can knock Marcus Bow to inside, you know, inside, maybe things look different. If you have a three-man defensive front of uh, Branson Dean, Lawrence Johnson, and Jack Sullivan. They don't transfer. 
things probably look a little different. Um, how uh, it's it's hard to say. You know, it's just it's not easy to compare. Look at what Deion Sanders did out at Colorado yesterday. That's an all new team out of the transfer portal that went in and won games, uh, won a game against a good team. There's no Travis Hunter out there for most people that's accessible, but you get what I'm saying here. Uh, this is not something that I think should be a complete black mark on the Ryan Walters era. I don't think folks should be, you know, trying to look revisionist history. Did Purdue make the right move hiring him? Look, let's let's give it time here. But there's reason for concern. I think the path to a bowl game here is really, really difficult. Um, you saw a very, very real lack of depth on the field for Purdue in the game yesterday. You saw a very real lack of high-end talent on the field for Purdue yesterday. That's not to say that Purdue doesn't have good players, but um, this is not a great team. This is a team that's going to have to scratch and claw through everything this year. Um, I, I'm just reading through responses here on Twitter. You know, obviously fans are upset, and that's that's fair. Um, it's, it's a disappointing loss. It is disappointing because there was a lot of hype here. Uh, Purdue had promoted a lot of hype. Uh, fans had gotten very into it. You know, where Ryan Walters had a big summer of recruiting. Uh, he's an energetic guy. He's young. He relates to fans well. There was a lot of enthusiasm. The stadium looked great. I will say that. That is absolutely true. The stadium looked excellent. Uh, the new south end zone was very nice. Um, the Tiller Tunnel looks very good. Obviously, students were filing out a little earlier than you'd hope, but it was also hot out there. I get it. Um, all in all, it's a disappointing start. It's not anything that Purdue can't rebound from. You have two, two non-conference games here against teams that are a lot like Fresno State. Uh Virginia Tech is fine. Virginia Tech went 3-8 and eight last year, beat Old Dominion. I haven't gotten to watch those highlights yet, but Virginia Tech is fine. Syracuse is fine. Uh, it was a marginal bowl team last year. It's fine. These are games Purdue can win, but Purdue has to improve rather rapidly to win those games because there are some pretty real questions about this team. Going to be fascinating to see where they go from here because – Adversity has hit already. Ryan Walters brought that up in his post-game presser. Now we see how they respond to it. And from there, you know, you determine kind of what the outlook of this season is. Uh, the next three games will tell you all you need to know. If Purdue doesn't win the next two, I think a bowl game is probably entirely off the table. Not that a bowl game is the end-all be-all anymore, but Purdue's got to go win these games if it wants to have a shot at playing in the postseason. Will it? We will find out. But that's all I've got for today. Thank you for spending time with me talking about Purdue's 39-35 loss to Fresno State. We'll be back here midweek. We're going to preview Virginia Tech. Any final thoughts on Fresno State that I think of that I missed, we will talk about. But uh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to discussing it more. 
Tweet me any questions you have at Boilers Beyond or email them to me, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And we will be back here later this week. So until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend and take care.